Okay, uh, welcome to a guy in his room, uh, number 181, uh, with Scribe Light. Um, yeah, thanks uh, a lot for coming. I know ne last time uh, my computer crashed a couple times and uh, it was kind of a nightmare, but uh, <laughs> um, yeah, well, thanks These for are the perils of live TV. Yeah, I know. I'm glad to be on. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, just ha I always, I've been asking everyone lately before I continue uh, Israel or Palestine? Oh, jeez. <laughs> Do we have to? <laughs> Oh man, what a mess! Yeah. Now I, uh, I don't know if I want to. I don't want to wade into those waters per se because it's just. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I short version. Uh, Hamas should be removed. Uh, they've got no uh, justification to lead and exist the way that they are. Um, and I'm not sure exactly what you do in a situation where you have such a um, condensed population where the people in charge of it just attacked your country and then they hide amongst the population and hide behind innocent civilians. What, what do you do? It's, it's, it's an impossible situation. And um, I, I, I would have hoped, you know, hope beyond hope that uh, Hamas would have just surrendered by now. Just said, okay, stop. Yeah, you know, I mean, if they really cared about their people, if they really cared about the furtherance of uh, the the plight of their people, whatever side of the, that argument you take, uh, they would have surrendered by now, or at least sought some kind of um, diplomatic resolution. But they haven't; they're still holding innocent people hostage. So, I I don't know. <laughs> if if I had the answer, I'd win the I win the Nobel Peace Prize, but I don't have it, and it's just uh, it's a giant mess, is what it is. Yeah. Well, I was I mean I was like you know basically joking. I mean just uh, it is funny I guess with the just bringing something like that up makes people um. Like, uh, <clears throat> I was at a comedy open mic recently, and just the fact someone mentioned it, I heard mm -hmm. gasps in the audience. Um, well, yeah, because, I mean, depending on who's in the room with you, yeah, uh, you're, you're, you're going to offend somebody. I mean, if you have any kind of opinion on it, and anybody can take any opinion you have, even if you try to go for something that's, you know, thoughtful, not necessarily moderate, but, I mean, like, thoughtful about it or something, uh, the way it's so uh, polarizing people will find someone will find a way to be offended and or call you a, ba a bad name or something or align you with one side or the other and so on and it's just yeah i don't know i don't uh, i uh I, I have my thoughts on the grand scheme of things but as far as the specific situation is concerned i i don't know i don't know yeah. I, I think i think they're obvious uh in, in this in this incident there were uh obvious bad actors and no obvious good solutions to it. So, yeah, I guess like, well, yeah, I haven't been. Well, I'm not that. I guess I'm not that surprised. I mean, I've been hearing about their conflict for a while, and then yeah. it is kind of interesting seeing some people that were like, "Yeah, I'm really left wing. Like, I go to every BLM thing." But this really disturbed me with 
the uh, radical left people how they're acting. Well, they, they have they have no idea what it is that they're cheering for. Yeah, I mean, I mean, even if even if this this particular current conflict wasn't even happening and they were cheering for it, they have no idea what they're cheering for. If they 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 would have. I. I, I would I would be very curious to see if anyone who was chanting for um, Palestine and, and saying this whole from the river to the sea stuff, I, I really would like to, to see them go live in a pre-current conflict Gaza if they think it's yeah. such a such a paradise of, of ideology. I just I don't know what to tell them. It's uh, it's not not fun, not fun. And the the pe- most of the people who are cheering this stuff on are the last people that would be tolerated in uh, that culture. It's just, uh, it's, it's so, it's, it's so, uh, you know, Alice in Wonderland through the looking glass bizarre uh, people just going along with slogans and not thinking about, but of course we've seen this for years now with people uh, calling themselves communists and, Oh yeah, no socialist and Marxism is good. And this kind of other thing. It's like uh, history might teach you a lesson if you care to actually pay attention to it. But you, you know, sometimes you, you can't you can lead a horse to water, as they say. Yeah, and then like putting their causes, well, you know, queers for Palestine, and then climate people for Palestine. Like, I don't. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah. I just, I'm just sitting. I, I mean, like with anybody else, all I can do is just sit back and watch and just kind of shake my head, like, well. It's it's whatever the outcome of this thing is, it's not going to end it. It's it hasn't ended for you know at least uh, you know seventy some odd years, and and certainly historically and biblically much longer. So yeah, it's another thing where yeah, I've I've always thought of like oh, there, too bad there's not a you know common sense political party. It's either one way or the other. Well, they all think they're common sense. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, no, there's, there, yeah, any, any any political party you create is going to be opposed by somebody else, and everybody thinks that they're the reasonable ones. And in some cases, might be true. Other cases, might not be. But, you know, every, everybody thinks they're the hero of their own story, so. Yeah, I guess that's why It's it's just always been hard for me to, pick a party you know i've never picked a party i i never <laughs> yeah. registered i uh, I, I mean i just uh, i just got my voters uh guide the other day and i just sat down this morning and went through it and i and i read um i read all of the candidates uh little little blurbs because they make sure that whatever they put on the page is exactly as they received it they didn't edit it they didn't do any corrections and do any fact checking it's like what you're reading from the candidate is what they wanted to say. And I read them not only for content, but I also read it for spelling and grammar. Because if this person wants to become a legislator, if they want my vote, regardless of what their party is, if they can't take the time to proofread their own work or they don't even know what they're saying half the time, why would I want this person writing the laws or being in charge of bureaucracy or anything else? So that's the first thing I look for. And then party isn't, I mean, I, I'm not even sure if that's even a consideration in my mind half the time. Uh, it's it's mo- it's mostly how long has this person been in the office if they're an incumbent, and depending on what department or what you know position they're in, 
am, am I happy with the way things are going with that thing? Because if they've been in the, if they've had the same position for like five or six years or something and things suck, well, I might just vote for the other guy just to change things up a bit, regardless of what the party is. So I try, I try not to get too steeped into party uh, allegiances or anything. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because I guess like I don't, you know, there's always stuff that uh, that could make me change my mind on things like even abortion or just any any issue that like I was I was I went to this like debate recently that was like like actually free speech like both sides were talking. Mm-hmm. And it was about, um, you know, if the patriarchy was smashed. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, like, by the end of it, it was just like, oh, okay, common sense, you know, like, in this case, this will work, or, it, none, you know, it depends on the, like, you know, obviously you don't want only men to run every single thing or something. Right. And then a lot of people were like, well, my definition of patriarchy is different than yours. So then it was just like comparing definitions too. <laughs> yeah, well, changing words and their meanings is like a, a hobby for many people these days. Yeah. Like any, any Anything that's bad, I'm not guilty of because I've changed the definition to make sure that I'm excluded from being uh, the bad guy or a hypocrite. Like... Racism is power plus privilege. If you don't have any power, you can't be racist. Like, what are you talking about? Like, they're just like absolutely nuts. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I was talking to somebody else about. I mean, yeah, it would be great if we could just kind of be like, all right, let's nail down every definition, especially the ones that are now put on being used all the time, like. I mean, yeah, it seems like Congress and all of them, like, they're the last to f- hear about all this stuff. Well, I don't necessarily, I'm not necessarily for, like, just conformity across the board on everything. Because, you know, there there, need, there, sh- there should be debate. I mean, if somebody wants to bring up a dumb idea, it should be allowed to be said, even if it's, like, a, yeah. a bad definition for something. Um, you know, because... Uh, just like with the TED Talks and things that I do. I mean, I'll I'll entertain a presentation or an argument over something that on its face I'm probably not going to agree with or I can already kind of maybe foresee some faults with. But, you know, you have to be at least willing to entertain an idea without necessarily accepting it and have the debate because, you know, bad ideas should be given their fair uh, shake because you never know. I mean, somebody could say something that's, really novel or, or, or true or come up with a great idea, or maybe part of it is a good idea. And, you know, if, 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 if I watch something and 25% of it is something that I didn't know before or shifts my perspective a little bit and the other 75% is just nonsense, I'd still say I'd come out a winner. So, you know, um, but, but there are some things fundamentally that people are trying to, uh, change the definition of to make themselves feel better, like you know the the reality of biological sex. There there are some things that just aren't debate. It's not a matter of debate. It's not a matter of like a different idea. It's like observable reality versus your magical thinking. And it's like yeah, w- one of those is going to win at the end of the day. 
and trying to proceed or legislate or something around the other one, it's asking for trouble. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you had a good analogy last time about, like, if someone tells you, oh, this is not, or this rock is a piece of gold, and you're like, well, no, it isn't, but they're like, well, that's how I feel, or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can, I can feel as much as I want. I can't change the nature of things. You know, it's, it's sort, of, sort, of like, sort of like relationships. You can... You can love somebody as hard as possible and then if they don't reciprocate it or it's not the same thing you can't transmute something just with your hopes and dreams and wishes it just doesn't work like until we get down to like quantum physics or something and then you start like <laughs> looking at something sideways and it changes its nature that, that's 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 outside oh, that's of my true. my realm yeah well that's the, that's like the true that's where trans comes from Actually, they could use that in a paper somewhere. There could be a paper right now about how that proves trans is real, like because. <laughs> well, I mean the the idea of of uh, sexual or uh, sexual um, sorry uh, body dysphoria, pardon me, or uh, sexual dysphoria that that is something that has been legitimately observed and documented. Now, of course, no one's a mind reader; you can't say for sure. But the idea that somebody could have a mental disorder that uh, causes them to feel like they're not part of their body. You know, I mean, in, in, in a similar fashion, there's people who uh, have voluntarily had limbs amputated because yeah. psychologically they believe this, this leg is not mine or this arm is not mine. Uh, obviously, observably, they're wrong, but something inside them is telling them that this is reality for them and that they need to do this to feel better. Now, as a surgeon or something, I'm sticking on the amputation thing, is it ethically correct to remove someone's fully functioning and perfectly healthy limb just because they say this limb does not belong to them? I would say no, probably not. But then if this person is going to end up trying to do something terrible to themselves to try to fulfill this need that they have, and it's their body, right, their body, their choice, what, what do you do? And that's, that's the barrier you hit when it comes down to someone's personal autonomy and trying not to do any harm as someone who is in a medical situation, either psychological or surgical. Uh, the line for me is, regardless of whatever it is, whether somebody actually has uh, sexual dysphoria or not, are they a consenting adult? That's, that's yeah. really the only line. If, if, if you are a consenting adult and you are fully uh, well aware of what you're doing, the consequences, the risks, and so on, and you want to go through with it anyway, there you go. But outside of that, it, yeah. So when I see these things about you know, uh, trans kids and giving children medicine and doing surgery on preteen. It just absolute horror show, absolute horror show. Um, I just, I, that, that part I don't understand. And, and not to say that, you know, a grown adult who does something I don't understand somehow should be outlawed. That's like, I, I don't understand why grown adults in this day and age smoke cigarettes. I mean, you, you, it's not like it's a secret anymore. It's not like it's some kind of um, hidden truth about the the health risks of cigarettes. But if someone wants to do it, I'm not going to stop them. I'm libertarian in that sense, but I just feel like you have to be at least old enough 
to make your own choices and not have them imposed on you by, you know, activist parents or misinformed parents and activist doctors and so on. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, I was always like, yeah, I do think, yeah, do whatever you want. And then, you know, it's just when these ideas are forced and then, I mean, a lot of these, even a lot of these, even CRT and all that stuff, I'm like, well, if this wasn't like being made mandatory, I would just maybe go, well, some of that is interesting. You know, like you were just saying, like, it's just, I don't know, we moved to where, like, we just moved from, I don't know, just, yeah, do what you want. Um live your life how you want to, to like, no, they need this. Like, oh, they're going to kill themselves. So we better rush them into surgery and all that. So, Yeah, you you, you make this this threat of, you know, it, it, it's life or death. If you don't do this, then, you know, it, it, and it's, uh, and, and it's similar with like the CRT, like you said, they make the argument that, uh, oh, you know, the, the next generation needs to know this history so we don't repeat the, the uh the the mistakes of the past or whatever except that all you're doing is teaching people to see each other um and value each other on the same principles that you're supposedly fighting against the 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 question always is especially when it comes to education are you teaching children how to think or what to think if you're teaching them how to think how to assess things think critically assess the sources and so on without pushing one particular perspective per se. And it's, and sometimes, sometimes that's arguable. Like some people would say, oh, well, this American history book is too light on the facts and things and, and gives a too rosy picture. That could be true. You know, I mean, you get, you get all these arguments, people saying, oh, you know, we don't, we never talked about this in grade school and everything else. I'm like, well, grade school might not be the place for, you know, uh, really high level, high tension, terrible stories of uh, depravity and and torture but uh but it's true you know there was that what was that book uh, uh oh i forget it was, it was something like uh everything i wasn't taught in history or something like that and some guy like took all of the um uh, uh the, the american history and like said okay the textbook says this and then here's you know seven pages of what actually happened uh without without any bias per se just these are the historical facts and how the rosy picture you see in the textbook isn't necessarily the truth, like, you know, the truth about Christopher Columbus or uh, some of the things that happened in the, in the Revolutionary War and so on. So, yeah, there, there is a place to have uh, students learn that what you're getting here is just a summary. If you want a deeper understanding, there is the library. And if you want an even deeper understanding, pursue a master's degree in college or something. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, t teaching an ideology in school, uh, a specific social ideology or something else, or and 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 especially to start you know playing historical guilt tripping or victim narratives on children is just it's gross. I don't have a better word for it off the top of my head. Yeah, and it's like you know when I was growing up, like. It was mixed in, like, I mean, yeah, we learned about slavery. Yeah, maybe it wasn't all the gory details, but, like, I do remember getting upset, like, a little angry during those parts. Like, how could this happen? Like, all this stuff, like, mm -hmm. I mean, 
slavery is bad. I'll just I'll be brave enough to say that. But, well, uh, yeah, very 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 <laughs> stunning, very brave of you. Yes, very good. Um, I know that must have been tough for you to say. I understand. Yeah, that's kind of. I mean, I just speak the truth on here, so. Well, I mean, and and, it, and it's something that is so often sugar-coated, and in, in, in especially presentations I watch, where they'll talk about, yes, uh, terrible things happened in the past, and we no longer do those things, or those things are now vilified. Um, we've made laws, in this country at least, to say no, and that's not acceptable. And any time that you even hear, like, there was, uh, this is a few years ago now, there was some story of some rich lady that had been keeping this like girl in her house or her like a million dollar apartment or something as an abject slave for like 10 or 15 years or something, something crazy. And when it was discovered, I mean, anybody and their brother is just completely horrified by the notion that somebody's being locked in their room and chained up or something else and being used as a, uh, as a literal slave in their house or something. Uh, that's because culture changes, you know, yeah. civilizations change in advance if they're given the opportunity and, think through these things. And especially in this country, thankfully, you know, for all the craziness that I see day in and day out these days, uh, I still uh, have uh, faith in the um, underlying principles of our laws and our culture that we will see this through as well. And, uh, you know, things might have, I, I will say a lot of things feel like they were set back on their their heels quite a bit in the last uh, 10 years or so, especially when it comes to race relations um, and, uh, and, and education in general, um, and certainly, uh, technology and social media has probably, um, set back <laughs> the, the intelligent quotients of the next couple of generations behind us, uh, back a few, uh, but the, the fundamentals are still there for us to proceed forward and evolve towards a better place than where we started. Um, but uh, but yeah no human I've said this before too laws laws are confessions of of uh, society and promises to do better confessions to the failures of the human condition we we wouldn't have a law against murder unless we knew people from time to time will murder people it's not it's not a guarantee it's not going to happen it's not a it's not a force field but we confess to the failings of human beings every time we make a law and make something illegal. So if you make a law against slavery, if you make a law against uh, racist uh, practices and things, it is a confession. We screwed up and have been screwing up for a long time. All we can do now is try to go forward and not do those things anymore and punish those who would engage in them. Um, but a lot of presenters talking about slavery, they seem to sort of gloss over the notion that things have changed. Yes, things were bad in the past. Things were really bad in the distant past. It's not that way now. And trying to hold people to account for things they never had anything to do with or to say that there's some kind of um, debt owed uh, for things that no one can fix. It just, I, I, I don't know where you go from there or, or these like land acknowledgements. Those always are oh, really? so hilarious to me when I, when I listen to a, a panel discussion or something, they started by saying, you know, I'm... I, I, I work at uh, Boston College, and this is the land of the, you know, whoever. And uh, I just want to acknowledge that. Like, and are you gloating? <laughs> uh, yeah. If, if are, sh should you be there? Maybe you should move somewhere where you're not taking up somebody's land that you just said you're taking up. Like, what? P 
pe- people like if the United States got conquered, right? Like if if the entire United States by some by some outside force, you know, Red Dawn, whatever, it got conquered, and a uh, hundred years go by, and that's just the way it is. Yeah, people who still remember or those who are sentimental for a, a long lost past, they're going to be ticked off. But unfortunately, when things change they change and you either adapt or you move on. Uh, that doesn't make it right. It doesn't make it just, but sometimes in history, that's, you know, it, everything was owned by somebody else at one time or another. And after a hundred years or 200 years go by, what, what do you expect to have happen? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, when the bank or whoever actually owns the land, it would be just like a cycle of acknowledgments of each. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Yeah, I guess we can't really, we don't seem to, I mean, especially lately. I don't know, maybe there was a point not too long ago, I don't know, where we kind of acknowledged like, oh, we we made progress, but now it's just like, they might say like, okay, we are a little better, but, you know, work needs to be done still. Well, I can understand, and, and this is the thing, you always hear that, you know, we have a long way to go and everything. Well, yeah, I can understand not wanting to be complacent. I can understand not being satisfied with good enough, depending on what we're talking about. So if somebody says, you know, we still have a long way to go about this, that, or the other, depending on what we're talking about, I might, I might agree with you. Um, but, uh, there, there are some things that I I'm waiting for a good argument for, like we need more rights for women. Like, okay, what rights do women not have currently? And I, and I ask that sincerely, you know, both rhetorically and otherwise, whenever I hear that, like, okay, what, what rights are currently deprived of a woman under law right now? And usually the first thing they go to is reproductive rights. And I'm like, okay, well, that's been battled out in the Supreme Court, and now it's a matter to the states. And so, yeah, your 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 rights specifically, or the statutes that you exist under, are now a state by state issue. Does that make it easy for people? No, but that's how the law is. And if you want the law to change, if you want if you want abortion to become an actual right under the law, call your senator. Because that's that's what it's been arrived at, and that's that's effectively what it's been this entire time. Uh, Roe v. Wade was a precedent; it was a legal ruling. It was not a law. It was not an amendment to the Constitution. It was just uh, guidance, glorified guidance that was sitting there for thirty-five, forty years, or whatever. And of and it was tenuous. It's like an executive order. It's like some some people had this opinion on it for a long time, and that held up. But opinions change. If you want, if you want Roe to be codified in the law, there's a whole institution that can do that, but they have to choose to do it, and they never will, because you're not going to get enough consensus un- un- unless you had one party in control of the House, the Senate, and the executive, mm. and as well had an ideologically uh, favorable Supreme Court necessarily. And only then, if the law that was passed was so ironclad and had no flaws in it that could be found to be unconstitutional. And then, even if a party controlled all three branches, 
sorry, not all three branches, but uh, both both chambers and the executive, um, you would have to have them all so on the same ideological page on the issue that you get a majority without having to be broken by a filibuster or something. So the likelihood that that's going to happen without somebody risking their political career to vote yes versus no, realistically, I think is pretty slim. It's not impossible. I mean, it could happen, you know, in like in like two more cycles, maybe yeah. maybe you would have enough uh, Democrats or, or pro-choice Democrats in um, in power to sail that sucker through in the first 100 days of a presidential term. It's not impossible. Could happen. And if it did, that's the democratic process. And whether I like it or not, that'd be the law. But a contentious issue like that, it's not going to happen. So aside from that, what rights are women not allowed to have? I don't know. Yeah, I guess. Um, well, yeah, at that debate, people, you know, would they just, I mean, I guess people keep kind of go to like kind of superficial stuff like, well, there's not enough female CEOs or there's not enough female this or, you know, the numbers or whatever. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all about quotas. It's not about... yeah. It's not about depth of experience or skill. It's just about the aesthetics, about the window dressing. And, you know, they, 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 they don't care about who's in the job. They just care about what's in the job. And that's, that should be the first red flag to anybody getting behind this thing is because, yeah, they, they don't care about you. You're not the star of the show, only your, your demographic. That's all that matters. Yeah, and I also, yeah, I mean, I mean, I re- sometimes I'm just like, you know what, just, all right, fine. Let's have women and everything. Let's have all these quotas met. Uh, but even then, like, then I'll see comments about, I don't know, any example like, you know, Kamala or any non-white person makes a bad decision, and then I'll see a comment like, this is really disappointing from a POC female. And it's like, yeah, they're right, a human as- being, you know? <laughs> Well, yeah, no, and that's and that's the thing when you, when you start when you start idolizing people over their component parts rather than who they are, you're going to be disappointed because at the end of the day, like you say, they're still a human being; they're still fallible. You know, I, I I've talked about this before. Kamala Harris is an example. I have a lot of sympathy for Kamala Harris in some ways. Uh, she was put up as this uh, historical figure. Yeah. Uh, she was the first this and the first that and the first female vice president, so on and so forth, put up as this big historic landmark. And then when she but but the thing is, she's a human being. I mean, wh- whatever else you think about her politics or her political savvy, of which I am not that impressed. But either way, no one, no one could match the hype built up around this woman, even if she was a, a passingly uh, competent politician. Uh, so, and then she's put into a position where, okay, well now I've just been branded as a historical figure, the first of my kind, et cetera, et cetera, which is bad enough. Now, what do you do with me? You can't put me into a, uh, backbench position. You have to have me out up front on the world stage in some way, shape or form. And Biden picks the absolute worst premier assignment to give somebody in her position with her experience with having no international experience whatsoever, no diplomatic experience whatsoever. Oh, I'm going to put you in charge of finding out the the uh, origins of the migrant crisis. And it, so, so not only is she put on this giant 
ideological pedestal for what she is, not who she is. Now she's given a position to ostensibly solve a problem that no one could solve, and certainly not somebody lacking uh, in credibility and experience that she's got. So I do have some sympathy for her position. The problem is, is that she agreed to take the job uh, and everything else aside, she's terrible at her job. If she was good at her job, I mean, if, if she could give an interview without sounding like an absolute lunatic, yeah. you know, it, it might be a different situation. If, if she'd had enough time and experience and actually done something as a politician prior to becoming vice president, uh, then maybe. If she, could if she could have carried her own state in the primaries, then maybe, I, you know, but she couldn't do any of those things. It's so ridiculous. And, and she's the one that's a heartbeat away from the presidency. It's just, <laughs> so my sympathy goes up to a point, but as soon as she said, I'll take the job, it kind of goes out, the goes by the wayside. Yeah, I guess you just made her remember because, you know, she was running for president before that and Mm -hmm. wasn't doing very well i mean no she, so she 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 blew a 40 million dollar presidential campaign war chest and didn't didn't even didn't even garner the support of california the state from which she's from i mean that's that's sad and and it's out there somewhere uh one of her last might have been her last real big political ad was her doing a dance routine with people in the street it's <laughs> it's it's comical and it's it's so comical but now She's the vice president, and uh, hell, even the the big Hollywood bigwigs last year or the year before or whatever, they were begging the Democratic Party to find a way to drop her before the oh uh, yeah before the presidential next presidential cycle started because they were just so so terrified of her taking over if something happened to Joe. So yeah, and I was just thinking like, I guess she like to me, I feel like she has to be because well, also the articles too that came out like she must be so stubborn because like all you would have to do is like do what biden does even though he can't really <laughs> but if she could at least read a speech like okay you're doing an interview just say this but you know stuff i read about her being too stubborn and she seems to wing it for no reason like and also uh, yeah and i guess also i'm like can't like I, I just wish like one politician would just be like maybe her or somebody just like her just being like yeah you know what um I'm having some trouble well I guess Fetterman sort of did that a little bit but no one seems to like own up to stuff just anything. Well, no, because they have their reputation to protect. They have their, uh, you know, uh, you show weakness, it becomes a campaign ad for the other side. Yeah. And you also lose the ability to fundraise as effectively and on and on. There's, I, I've said this before, there's, there's no title in life that uh, uh, makes me cringe more than career politician. <laughs> somebody somebody who, who makes their entire focus of their world politics. Uh, in, 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 my, in my ideal world, politicians serve at maximum three terms in whatever it is that they do. Uh, and not necessarily because of term limits. But because somebody says, I had my bite at the apple, it's time for somebody else. Uh, I'll go back to my job as a, you know, landscaper or a lawyer or real estate agent or whatever the hell it is. And uh, I, I did my public service and now it's time to move on. Uh, because anybody who is so 
determined to stay in a position of uh, power over and over and over again, year after year after year, uh, I, I really question the the wisdom of that, not only for uh, the people they represent, but the system at large. Uh, I, I think there should be more turnover. This is why we don't have uh, presidents for life. Uh, and uh, now the, the, the argument over Supreme Court justices of whether they should have lifelong appointments, that one yeah. I'm, I'm still open to discussion on, but I see the wisdom in it because if you look at the history of the Supreme Court justices, usually, and not always the case, but oftentimes, when they first come in, yeah, maybe they have a kind of political um, philosophy that goes one direction or the other. But over time, as the pressure or the notion that they're having to please somebody else and they don't have that, you know, Damocles sword of getting fired or uh, unelected or something hanging over their head, they find oftentimes, like I said, not always, but find a more middle ground to things and start, you know, reflecting on uh, the laws that come before them or the decisions and uh, can temper them over time. Um, and once, and since you have more than, you know, one justice making these decisions, it makes a interesting balance. But as far as politicians representing the people and constituents, yeah, anybody, anybody who's in, in a, any particular position for more than three terms, unless it's uh, capped by law, otherwise like a president, I, uh, I, I'd say, I, I, I think it's time for you to look for other work. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess, I don't know. I don't know if I knew that about the justices. I guess it reminds me of, uh, tenure, you know, how teachers have that, um, mm -hmm. which I didn't know, like my friend teaches high school and apparently it's really hard to fire just any teacher. I thought it was just colleges, but no, I, well, I mean, I, I know col if you have tenure in college, it's it's really difficult. It's like you're stuck in. You'd have to do something so egregious that it's undeniable. Like not use the right pronoun now, I guess, though. <laughs> well, yeah, I suppose in Canada. I, I don't know, but I guess each college is their own thing. But as far as like, I mean, but but because as far as I understand it, and for anybody listening now or in the future, uh, correct me in the comments if I'm wrong here, but finding competent teachers is so difficult already that, uh, again, short of doing something that's just undeniably egregious that you just can't mm. keep them on, um, kicking out a teacher leaves such a gap in any particular school's ability to do their jobs and trying to find people who, especially these days, who have uh, financially made the choice to go into a career that doesn't really have an upside. <laughs> which is a real shame. I mean, I, uh, I, I, you know, I, I, I don't really come down on the side of the education department oftentimes, but just fundamentally speaking, if, if teachers are not of the best quality that we can produce, we're shooting ourselves in the foot. Yeah. And if we don't find a way to um, uh, make attractive the career of education, uh, and also demand high standards for those that uh, are educators. Uh, we're, you know, as a country, as a civilization, we're setting ourselves up for an inevitable failure. And I think that's that's been going on more or less, I think, for many years now. And then just like, you know, teachers can't make enough to survive on. They have to strike for this, that, and the other sometimes. 
Um, and we're already seeing the, the philosophies of poorly um, taught educators thinking themselves to be gurus over students rather than rather than teachers, thinking that they're there to train activists or something or to change the world or to make things better. Like you, you can hope that that's the case, but you're there to make sure these kids can think, that they know the basics of how to function in society uh, and in the workplace and have and to encourage them towards critical thinking that that should be that should be the the mission statement for teachers not the we're here to change the world or you know enrich young minds etc it's all this very flowery language for i'm on a mission rather than yeah. providing a service that's that's the differential that seems to go by the wayside yeah i mean yeah cuz my friend's a teacher, and I guess that is why I think about t teachers now because uh, he does like, like he does like it, but it's gotten the system is so bad now. Like, but you know he does try to teach still. Like he uh, teaches nineteen eighty four and stuff like that. He had a media class too, I guess before, but uh, he. He said, like, some sometimes we'll get notes from students or former students saying, like, you were the only teacher that, like, didn't talk down to us or something like that. Because mm -hmm. he, like, cares and he, you know, no one else does. Although it's hard for him to even care because it's so bad now with. I yeah, mean, it, 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 it kind of saddens me that there's, out of all the teachers I had in public school, there's only, like, maybe two I can think of that. Um, I really and and, and it, I, I can't forget them because they they actually taught me something. I learned something. Things that I learned in high school from these two teachers. One was a math teacher. One was an anthropology teacher. I still remember today, and I still use today occasionally, or can reference because they did such a good job uh, instilling this knowledge into me that uh, you know I can recall it when I need to um, uh, at a moment's notice. Whereas you know between uh, elementary school, junior high, high school, community college, and college, I've had dozens of teachers. And there's maybe, out of high school, there's two. Out of college, there's like maybe one uh, that made such an impression on me uh, or just was, was able to actually uh, get me interested in learning about the subject. And I'm not saying that they were all bad teachers, the ones I don't remember, but it is sad that there's so few that seem to have a passionate or were passionate enough about what they were teaching to make it meaningful to me as a student. Uh, because when a teacher really liked their stuff and was really interested in, in passionate about their subject, you knew it, you could feel it and you remembered it and it made you want to pay attention and learn. Um, and you could always tell when a teacher didn't give a rip because you were yeah. like floating through the class and didn't care and you forgot about it the day after you left the, the room, so. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess I was saying, I uh, saw part of your video, I don't know if it was maybe Sunday or yesterday, and I was, like, wondering if you ever thought about teaching or something, because the way you were talking about that, um, you know, short writing thing. Mm-hmm. Well, 
I that that's the thing. It's it's one of those deals where my interests are all all over the place, jack of all trades. I I haven't as much as I had a facility for writing and reading and things growing up. Uh, I could never. Well, I, I I'm not going to blame anybody. I, I I don't I don't think I ever found that that thing that took me into doing it as a passion. Yeah. I, I, I enjoy it. And when I get into the zone, I think I do okay. Um, and uh, I, I, I like analyzing stories. I, I think I'm more analytical than I am artistic. And I think sometimes I can sort of leverage that into a particular medium uh, and produce something. I mean, I, I have a very poor opinion of my own abilities to begin with. So you know, whether I'm writing something or, or doing something in Photoshop, I'm always kind of like, eh, it's, it's okay. But um, yeah, no, like, yeah, the, the, the story, I mean, I've talked about this before. I took so, I, I had to take so many classes in college that was basically literature analysis. And it was, oh, such a strain and such a slog. And the teachers were getting into the minutia of everything. And, you know, but at the same time though, part of my, I don't know, part of the way my brain works is tr trying to understand things or trying to piece out the connections and stuff. And I, th I think that, I think that comes through uh, in my videos and especially with the TEDx things. And uh, like with that story in particular, and for those of you that missed the stream on my channel on um, Sunday, uh, it's a very short story. It's like a page and a half. So it's not exactly heavy reading. It's called The Signature of God by Judson Mitchum. You can find it online easily with a Google search. Uh, there's a link to it um, in the description of my video from Sunday. And um, yeah, I mean, for, first and foremost, you've got a very short story. So there's not a whole lot to analyze. Um, and I've had years to think about it because I read it in college, which is now <sighs> over 20 years ago. <laughs> and um, uh, but anyway, back to your question, have I ever thought about teaching? I have, I have been told at various points in my life that I should become a professor or something. Uh, about what? I have no idea. Like, what's what subject do I know enough about, or I'm curious enough about to get some kind of degree in, and then pursue a degree in education that I would feel like I have something to pass on to people. I like helping people with like i've had people send me you know samples of their writing before and say hey can you take a look at this and i've done some editing for some people and done some suggestions and things and this that and the other and i kind of like doing that it's enjoyable it doesn't feel like a career you know like i i'm, I'm envious of people that find that thing that they can do well enough and they enjoy it and they turn it into something yeah uh bigger like and, and that's that's kind of what i'm I'm very i'm very envious of people like um uh like for example script doctor another youtuber a friend of mine and he you know he writes movie scripts and things and he talks about stories all the time he's always talking about the the industry and and you know uh story analysis and structure and all this and i i love that stuff and i just like god i wish I wish I could have the focus and the passion to do that thing or really get stuck into that one thing. But something about the way I, I'm, I'm wired or something, I just, 
can't find that, you know, that, that, that line where I can march through and focus on that, that goal. I always have a very hard time self-generating uh, my creative process. And I, I, I wish for all things that I could find that, uh, uh, that perpetual spark in me to do that, that thing that I could become interested in because I, my, my attention wavers relatively quickly. And, uh, if I'm not given some kind of, if I don't have some kind of pressure pushing me towards something, I have a hard time just sort of doing it for the sake of my own joy or passion. Like, so for example, um, on Lords of the Night, the old uh, talk show I was on, for those of you that have no idea what I'm talking about, uh, there was a gimmick I was doing for a while where I'd write custom ads. People would say, you know, I started out doing it as a joke, like uh, somebody would make a, a super chat and I just sort of blurt out, uh, this episode is sponsored by, you know, uh, Joe Smith in the chat. Uh, Joe Smith, uh, for whenever you really need to uh, make a horseshoe or something like that. And that became like this little gimmick and people would start paying me through Super Chats to do a specific ad about a specific thing or a specific idea. And then this turned into, they'd give me effectively story prompts, like write me a movie ad about a time traveling monkey who lives on the moon. And then I'd have to write, you know, a paragraph or two within a couple of days of a time traveling monkey that lived on the moon and put it into a movie <laughs> ad. Um, and so when somebody, you know, they, they paid me money and they asked me to do this. And so now I have an obligation to create, I have to do this. It's an assignment. I'm required. I'm obligated. I have to do it. And then the spark comes up, you know, if I'm given an assignment, if I'm given a deadline, if I have an obligation, uh, I, I have a, a date by which I need to get this thing done. That's when the juices are flowing. And the problem is I can't self-generate an outside source making me or requiring me to do that. And that's been my frustration for years and years and years. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think of that a lot too, because I'm sort of the same way. I mean, like um, when I used to do, you know, comedy open mics, like there was this one young guy, like he was in college. He was maybe 19. And he just was like, I don't know, type A or something. But he just knew what he wanted. Like he started getting better right away. Like he was writing all the time. And then eventually I think he's, I don't know, he might have done a special on Comedy Central or something. And mm. But I was wondering like he, because somebody that young, I'm like, was it just his, like the way you're raised is like, like his parents maybe were just more like, I don't know pushing him or I don't know if it's like a someone's nature and that at the same time. I don't know. Could be both. I mean, you know, someone could just have natural drive or uh, could have, could have been the way they were raised, you know, who knows? Like, it's like, why, why are some people just so seemingly naturally charismatic versus somebody else? Yeah. And yet there's nothing particularly special about this person on the outside, but just they walk in the room and there's just, you know, something about the way they interact with people or how they carry themselves that, draws the attention more than somebody else who does the exact same motions, uh, but just, you know, doesn't have it. Like, everybody's got their thing. 
you know, you see all these things like, oh, my superpower is this, that, and the other. <laughs> everybody's got whatever their superpower is. Everybody's got something special about them, uh, something that they can do better than, you know, on average, the other guy. Um, it's about finding that thing and finding a way to leverage it into something you enjoy. Unless, of course, you're good at something terrible, right? Like, <laughs> like I, boy, boy, howdy. I, I'm really good at burping long time. Like, maybe you can find a contest for that, but it's probably not going to turn into a career. Uh, unless unless you can somehow find a way you know the nature finds a way but um... yeah i mean well then there's also the people that really never get better or never that great at something that's actually i was just thinking about recently about um how like i don't know like maybe it's america who had they always you know growing up it was like the American dream, you can be whatever you want, but like, it made me think of, you know, when American Idol came out and all the people that are clearly like delusional, um, it, but yet they have this drive <laughs> and it's like a sort of a misplaced drive. It's like, uh, you know. Well, I mean, I, you never want to discourage somebody, even if, uh, like, I'm never going I, now and in the past. I'm never going to be an NBA All Star, right? I can go out and I can train as much as I want to, and I can uh, go do do as much work as possible. But my height, my athletic ability, uh, my genes—no way. There's no way I'm going to be an NBA All Star. And at some point, I'm going to have to admit that. Um, yeah. You know, and you and that's I mean, that's a tough lesson to learn. Don't get me wrong. You know, there and and. But then at the same time, you got people who are absolute morons who like succeed beyond anybody's wildest dreams. You know, they fail upwards over and over and over and over again. And it's really disconcerting to people that either have some talent or have worked far harder than they have and not gotten that far. But uh, so, you know, it's it's the, the question is whether you succeed or you don't. As long as you can say you did everything you could, you've got nothing to apologize for, even if you humiliated yourself. I mean, I like uh, pe people who do something terrible, but you know that they were doing it honestly, right? Like the, the result was not what they wanted, but you know that they, they, they sincerely went for it. I have a lot of respect for people that do that. Yeah. Well, I mean, what what about, I guess what you're, like, I agree, like, I always felt bad for those people, because it was like, like, I've been, you know, I'm just remembering recently about, there was like a trend with every reality show, <laughs> show was like, how cruel can we be to people, like, they have these people that, like, I guess, the thing is, like, I think they don't ever get to the point that they realize, oh, I'm not good at this. Oh yeah, you know, there there are delusional people out there. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 people who are delusional about their abilities or delusional about their chances um when objectively you can tell that they you know, they they, they might become a meme for 15 minutes, but they're probably not going to become a pop star. Yeah, and uh and it's it's hard to tell sometimes unless you really, you know, spend some time uh watching somebody or see them outside of just like what's on stage to tell whether this is someone who 
you know, sincerely thought they had a chance or someone who can't see and are so arrogant about their abilities that, you know, they're just never going to make it. And they, they, they can't see beyond uh, their, their own nose or a, their own little universe. Um, it really depends on, ultimately, it really depends on how do they treat other people. If you've got somebody who's delusional, but is kind and isn't yeah. like looking down on others because they're so great, you could probably look past or not even notice them being in their own little world. Um, and if they're giving it their all, but they're still very nice to people about it. But you got somebody who's like all, all self-absorbed and, and self-centered and they think they're, the, they're, they're, you know, God's gift or something. Yeah. That's when, that's when they turn into a, an Andrew Tate or something, uh, or, you know, or, or like a Jersey boy or whatever. So. Yeah. Like the, it is a weird phenomenon with, well, you know, there's like catch me outside girl that is like a millionaire oh, now. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I, and you know, some people can leverage their 15 minutes of fame into a, a subversive career. Yeah, and I can't fault them for that because I mean they they were able to take whatever nonsense they fell into, um, and turn it into something that will, you know, depending on how they play their cards, set them up for for life potentially, and I, I you know respect respect the game. I can't I can't blame they you know they, yeah. they took it and they ran with it, and again it depends on how you treat people. Like as, as a contrast, you just had that big drama with uh, Sniper Wolf on YouTube where you have this girl who's been for years now making millions of dollars just stealing other people's content on YouTube, but getting tons and tons and tons of views doing it. Uh, it's it's coming out that she never actually played any of the, the games that she was playing at the beginning of her career. She oh. was just reacting to footage <laughs> and pretending that she was playing a game. On and on and on and on. And she's made millions and millions of dollars. And if she was ultimately a nice person... If she was ultimately a uh, generous and magnanimous individual who was uh, at least a little bit, uh, a little bit cognizant of just how lucky she is versus how talented she is, quote unquote, you might forgive her her success compared to what got her there. Unfortunately for her, she's not a nice person. Uh, she's done terrible things and she's, uh, so you, you don't, have or at least I don't have any particular respect for the way that she's uh, succeeded. Uh, that doesn't take away her success, much to the chagrin of people who work very hard on their videos and have uh, a niche and have an expertise, uh, as compared to somebody who just sort of like stumbles their way through um, success after success. But again, that's life. And all you can really do is just look at that example and say, whether you're a kid or an adult or otherwise, and say, I don't want to be that person. That's that that is the only ultimate use for someone who is um failing upwards and self-righteous about it. Is there they only serve as an example to others of don't be that guy. You know, and all the millions of dollars in the world. Like the, the thing that gets me is that, and th and this is the sign that money does not buy you happiness. She's got more money than she knows what to do with. She could quit YouTube tomorrow and not be hurting. Unless, unless she's flittered all her money away at this point. I have no idea. Yeah. Maybe she spends it all on like uh, race cars or something. But, uh, but even in the midst of uh, the better part of a decade of sustained fame and success in her own little world, 
her ego is so fragile that somebody calling her out on her content, she's got to go stalk them just for, just for clout and clicks and everything else. Just like a lesson to everybody having a bunch of money does not mean you're a successful human being. <laughs> yeah. There's been a lot of those uh, like randomly influencers will be canceled or, you know, just called out. Um, and I'm never really surprised, but yeah, I guess it's how they deal with it. Like, uh, well, then there's other people like, yeah, I guess you're right. The ones that they have to be smart to know, like, there's some people like even Andrew Tate and um, that girl that is like <laughs> Pearl something that's like the female version. I know so, I, I, I just pearly things or whatever. I, I've heard about her. I have never paid enough attention to know what the details are there. Yeah, me I either. I don't, I don't really like, care. I don't really care to. It's like uh, just yeah. another, another girl uh, saying goofy things and people react. I mean, we we've been seeing that for. I mean that that's that's the bread and butter of YouTube half the time. I, I never really took part, only only very briefly and in very, you know, unique instances did I ever uh, even get close to doing any kind of youtube drama between youtubers kind of yeah. content on my channel and i'm not and i'm not i'm not i'm not uh, uh dissing or vilifying anybody who uh does that i mean if, if if that's your thing if you're a uh uh philip defranco if you're a drama alert if you're a ranting monkey and there's a youtuber acting out of, out of line and you want to you want to take call him out on it perfectly fine it all depends on how you go about doing it of course but uh, I'm not I'm not dissing that genre. It just was never quite my thing because it's sort of like, well, oftentimes it was just I'm a YouTuber with an opinion. There's somebody else with an opinion. Yeah. Is there really a point in arguing about it? Like, yeah. So. Yeah, that's I mean, yeah, that's like why I've been I don't like know her really. I just the only like what got to me was the fact that everybody kept and what I thought was overreacting to, to me, I I always am skeptical, and I think they're half just trolls. Like she's half oh, sure. kind of, you know. Yeah, they're looking for a reaction, looking for clickbait half the time. I mean, it, it could be that she's, and I don't know anything about her. It could be that she's one hundred percent sincere and just completely off her rocker. Yeah. But once you start getting some attention, you see what works and what doesn't. Uh, and if that's if if fame clicks and monetization are your only concerns and you see what works and what doesn't, you're probably going to go more towards what works than what doesn't. And if controversy gets you more attention, well, then let's bring on some more controversy. It was, um, uh, I don't know if you remember him, the uh, old talk show host uh, now passed away, uh, Morton Downey Jr. Uh, Morton Downey Jr. was one of like the original sort of shock uh, talk show guys on TV, sort of like before he, he, he was a much more, um, uh, loud Jerry Springer, let's say. And he started out doing, uh, this local talk show that was very thoughtful and talked about the issues and really got down to brass tacks on things. But over time, when he'd have like some kind of weird, uh, episode where it's like the KKK versus the NAACP or something, got a lot more attention, a lot more acclaim, a lot more advertising. And so he just went with what worked and all the way to the point where he ended up hoaxing 
a attack on himself in order to get attention because he was losing he was losing ground and losing um losing that clout uh there's a great um great documentary about uh him that's i i recommend anybody watch if they're curious about sort of like the uh sort of the almost a greek tragedy of uh television fame cycles it's called a provocateur uh and i think you can find it on youtube or online for free i think or at least relatively easily accessible and um yeah it, and it's it's a great little thing and and if you, if you want to see sort of like uh, a really good example of how a lot of YouTubers uh, or just media personalities in general uh, probably think when it comes to being having everybody tell you that you're perfect or you're great and needing to maintain that, needing to maintain that attention, even in the face of overwhelming success and you found your niche, but it's just not enough. Your Your tolerance becomes so high for that next a claim or that next headline for that that makes you feel so special uh kind of jesse smollett in a way yeah uh, he was at a certain point but uh it's 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 it, and and this this kind of psychological machinery is entirely common uh you can take anybody and put them in that and it's a real test of their own um fortitude and personality if in the face of fame and adoration and success and everything else, can they maintain their sanity? Can they maintain a sense of where they started in relation to where they are and 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 still keep some kind of humility or perspective on things? Uh, some people never have a chance, you know, like child stars or teenagers that became basketball superstars at a young age and never knew anything different. It's kind of hard to learn what you never knew if you've always had success or always had fame. But uh, the, the, the real thing is, is when you're an adult and that happens. That's, and that's, yeah. why, uh, that's why I recommend that documentary. Yeah, I uh, think I heard of that. Um, but yeah, I know you have to get going. Uh, but uh, yeah, well, uh, I mean, do you think, just as a final question, uh, you know, this may get reported in like major papers, by the way, just. <laughs> mm, okay. Um, well, yeah, was, do you think Jesse was, because uh, I do wonder sometimes, like, was he just like, it was almost the, um, Oh, what's I forget the name, the whatever fallacy where, oh, the sunken cost thing where you, he's like, well, I keep, I got to keep this going. Like, I can't admit anything. I lied about anything. So he just keeps going with it. <laughs> I think that, uh, I think in the absence of, because at, at that point, his uh, amount of time on, um, uh, empire his his the amount of episodes he had coming up had been started to be cut his album that he'd released not too uh far in the past didn't do that well oh yeah for um i think that in the absence of heightening his celebrity he wanted to become a symbol he 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 want, he wanted to he wanted to jump start and cut in line of success by stepping on 
um, uh, an elevator of um, sort of symbolism. He wanted to be the victim. He wanted to yeah. be the guy who was, I, he, he probably, and again, I'm not a psychologist, but he, he wanted to become the uh, counterpoint, uh, the visible opposition in pop culture to Donald Trump. I mean, the whole MAGA, you know, part of the hoax and everything. Uh, he, he wanted to be that symbol. He wanted to be a leader against what everybody else was calling the greatest evil in the world. He wanted to be seen as the greatest good for having survived an attack by the greatest evil. Um, and that would, that would set him up for life, essentially, both in the minds of people who were uh, fans of him and also those who were in opposition to, because you, you got to remember the, at that, at that moment in time, the anti-Trump uh, population in this country was the biggest audience you could possibly ask for. If you became a symbol against Donald Trump and already had celebrity status, then you just got yourself an audience way beyond one TV show, way beyond one album. Now you're a political figure uh, and you're a, a symbol of, quote unquote, the struggle. And and he he wanted to fast track that. And uh, again, this is just my personal opinion. I'm not a psychologist, but I do own a couch. Um, and so that seemed like the quickest way to do that. Um, so, uh, but, but yeah, and, and it was also, it's also a matter of, you know, he, he'd gained such a, he'd gained such a, a high tolerance for success and comfort and attention that even what he was having wasn't enough. He needed a big burst, you know, like a big, uh, it's like a heroin addict, right? You need that, you need to chase that next dragon and apparently getting, tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars for a TV show and coming from a famous family of actors and performers and still having the prospects to do other jobs and get other gigs and things wasn't enough. He was just impatient mm -hmm. and wanted to, wanted to become something bigger than himself without having to actually do the work. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know he had, his family was actors either. Oh yeah, no. He, uh, his, his sister Journey Smollett, and oh. like they, they all, they all, um, like their mother pushed. I think there's like, I want to say there was like five or six kids in the family, and uh, uh, their mother in particular pushed them towards uh, performance and acting and things, and got them when they were kids. They got jobs in like advertisements, and they even had their own like collective TV show briefly. Oh. I think it was a spinoff of Growing Pains or something. I forget, <laughs> but yeah, no, the the, the whole the whole uh, Smollett uh, family, all the brothers and sisters, in some way, shape, or form, have been involved in show business, either as actors, um, musicians, and or you know behind the scenes stuff. Yeah, that was, you know, that was the period where like some people were like, he's not my president, or they would just. Like he was like he called him forty five instead of Trump, <laughs> right? Yeah, because that that's so cool. Now I I, I take uh, I've said this many times before. I take John Wayne's perspective on presidencies, um, in the case where it's uh, applicable. 
Uh, I didn't vote for him, but he's my president and I hope he does a good job because, you know, whether the person got in the office because I wanted him there or not, I don't want him to fail. I don't want him to screw up the country. I want him to do a good job, even if I don't agree with everything that they do. And man, (laughs) it's so easy to be disappointed though. and, And oh man. Yeah, so I I hope Joe does a good job. I said that when he was elected. I said, yeah. I I hope he does a good job, and my hopes uh, <laughs> and my hopes so far have been relatively dashed. Yeah, and that's what Tom Hanks got in trouble for just saying, "Look, hopefully Trump does a good job." Something like that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's like you you only the most like self destructive, short sighted individual says, "I hope the president fails." Yeah. It's like okay, you might not like the guy, but come on. Uh anyway. Yeah, um but yeah, thanks for coming on. Um Sure. Yeah, check out Scribe's channel and uh Yeah, he's been doing more streams lately, more true crime stuff, which is cool and uh yeah, I'm trying to it's 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 tough it's been real tough lining up the true crime interviews because true crime content people are always busy. It always oh. I mean especially when they're oh, doing yeah. it as like a living or something that's like trying to find even just trying to find a day where uh schedules line up because of everything that's been going on either uh with their channels or there was the big uh, crime con down in Florida about a month ago and everybody in that uh, genre was all geared up for that. So I'm, I'm tangentially working on the next one, but, uh, but yeah, check out, uh, if you like true crime content creators, I've been trying to do a series. I haven't seen, as far as I know, there's not a, a consistent series of interviews out there uh, about uh, true crime people on YouTube and at least specifically or otherwise. So I, I think I found a niche. I just hope it goes, hope it goes elsewhere. We'll see. Yeah, that's true. I mean, talking to the creators like themselves. Uh, mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, thanks for anybody who came in. I think my friend was trying to watch, but uh, he's a piece of yeah, shit. Yeah, so. quick <laughs> shout out to uh, Jaeger Pony, Angela Ariaga Angela, uh, Simon Willikins, Your Ridiculous Lunatic, and TC. Those are the people I see in the chat so thanks for hanging out okay yeah uh yeah so thanks everybody um i do episode every wednesday anybody interested um and yeah check out scribes uh stuff coming up like the ted stuff this thursday and everything yep all right yeah thanks bye everybody Okay. 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 Um, just doing an end. May do a few minutes, more minutes for this episode. Post the scribe portion. All right, I'm gonna look up uh, Jussie Smollett's family now. Actually, I think I saw a update about him recently. It's yeah, there was something like 
Uh, I don't mean to be a Tim Pool right now and just read an article. <laughs> um, so this is kind of what I was wondering if he was going to do this. Say he's like, oh, he's going to go to rehab and then act like everything's okay then. Like, oh, I was just on drugs. I was just on drugs, guys. Okay. I just went to rehab. He's had an extremely had difficult an extremely past few years, guys. Past few years, guys. It's just fun. It's just so funny. Imagine, like, how humiliating. Of course he'd get into drugs if that's what it is. <laughs> Who wouldn't get it? If, like, being caught faking a crime against yourself? I didn't. I've never heard of the Smollett family. Like I was surprised by. I mean, that's what Scribe said. I gotta trust him, but. I mean, look at this. This is what he like. I don't know. I still. It's still crazy to think about that this happened. Because I mean, look at this little tiny mark that he acted like he was like assaulted. I mean, I've seen you know. Amber Heard stuff was a lot worse. Like, she even did a better job. Yeah, there's a there's a little delay right now. I don't know if it's just on my end, but on my rear end. Am I right? Am I right? Am I right? Right? Who's this guy? Who's this guy? Who's this guy? Oh, this is his agent oh, or something. Oh, this is his agent oh, or something. This is his agent oh, or something. I guess his family stood by him. Stood by him. Yeah, I don't, maybe I did hear this a little bit. I just forgot. I don't know. Yeah, you know, I've never watched a documentary on him. I didn't even know they did that. Have they stood by him post-scandal? Uh, like, but are they still? Are they still standing by? Standing by? Standing by? Standing by? Probably not. Probably not. Or they just stopped talking about it. I mean, if they stopped talking about it. Maybe, I wonder if he's like, I wonder if he's privately lying to them, like he's still keeping it going to them with your family. Like, would you come clean? I mean, if you were, it's, oh, it's not as bad as a murderer or whatever, but like, uh, like, a lot of those will never admit they did it and they'll keep saying they're innocent, but. I don't know. It's a tough situation, guys. You got a feel for him. He. You know, he took on. Okay, so this is what I was talking about with these actresses. With this odd, far apart um, eyes thing. Now, I'm not even trying to be mean. But it's just like this is now a trend with actresses. I don't know what's going on. But yeah, like I read the, I read that the one lady. Um, what did I forget her name? From the Anya Taylor Joy, like that's people say for, that's an actual disease. So, does she have the same one? I mean, I would almost think this is CGI. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm not trying to be mean. Just oh, that's where she gets it from. Look at her dad. Look at her dad right there with his eyes far apart. You know what I'm saying? Oh, her dad was charged with domestic abuse once. Oh, they got their start. Why am I reading about this? 
Uh, yeah, see, I don't, I mean, were they in anything? She has, he has four other siblings. One of the, the eldest is also an actor, was on Moesha. I don't, you know, maybe it was just tiny roles, though. Um, Jazz Millette is his older sister and is a lifestyle expert. And she's a lifestyle, lifestyle expert, 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 expert. Uh, man, they all have weird names. 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 Jokey, G O C G O C Q U I. I don't know how to say that. Maybe it's like Jackie. Maybe Jokey. I'm racist because I don't know how to pronounce that. So, yeah, I mean, you know, he really messed up. Like, if he would have kept that, if people would have believed him, he could have had a whole empire of uh, woke, you know, like just woke stuff. <laughs> like, he, he, he would have had a reality show out probably. And then his, like, sisters would have been on that reality show. They should be mad at him because he could have really kept that train rolling of racism, of ultra-maga. Um, Ten-degree muggers, you know? I mean, he's, he's just like, uh, nope, I'm sticking to it. He's, he's never wavered so far. He's never... You know, some of these guys might do, like... I feel like don't, like... I wonder if he could partially come clean and be like, look, maybe I exaggerated a little bit, but still, like, could he do that or would people not even care, you know? Yeah, see, whenever I go on these sites, I, like, get distracted by the stupid articles and then I click on those and that's a whole... Um, Gateway, gateway to tabloid, tabloid, You see these articles, you see these articles, and you click on them, and you click on them, and you click on them, you click on them, and and guess what? Guess what? Guess what? You're stuck in the stuck in the pipeline, the pipeline to tabloid gossip, tabloid gossip. Become a celeb, a celeb commentator online. You become a YouTube celebrity expert. And you comment on all the celeb news. Hmm. I wonder if Rumble makes you make an account to comment. My friend said he can't comment on, or he can't chat because he has, doesn't have an account. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to not use, trying to not rely on YouTube. And just think of Rumble. Like, I'm thinking of, uh, what am I thinking? Uh, well, like, I've been trying to think of, like, I'm not going to worry about YouTube as much. Like, I'm only going to, like, post the, in the description and all the written stuff, I'll try to avoid all those stupid terms, like, Orwellian, the terms that YouTube, like, cracks down on. Although it hasn't really helped, like, any, like, my views have still been way down, like, I swear to God, I don't know what's going on with YouTube, but, like, sometimes I'll get, like, a couple episodes in a row where I'm like, oh, there's views on this, like, meaning, I mean, not a lot, but still, <laughs> and then, like, it'll go down again, 
and there's no, you know, I just don't want to really have to worry about dancing around words anymore. I just want to be as racist as I can be. Like, if I want to say the N-word like most of the episode, I should be allowed to do that. Just kidding, if you're, well, no one's watching, but if you are, I mean, look, Rumble is basically just the uh, other place people are using now. It's not like, there's a lot of stuff on there now. It's not just a, a gateway <laughs> alt-right pipeline. I mean, yeah, there's conservative people on here more than YouTube, which there's none on YouTube. Well, there is some still. They just keep getting taken down and stuff, so. I mean, if I, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I have to be logged in to, let me see. One tip is you go to a, make a private window in a browser, and then you don't have to, and then it's, it logs you out of everything. Ah, oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> I have to sign in. Oh, you can sign in with Google. Well, I don't know. I mean, he's just like, you know, my friend, you know, it's just like, all right, make an account. Nobody's going to track you down. You have to, like, when you have to go through any kind of hoop, like, somebody that's not on YouTube or doesn't really watch anything like that, like, they're just going to not watch it. If they're like, I never watched that YouTube, and you go, hey, watch me. I'm on, I'm uh, live right now but they never watch, like, they never ever comment on any videos, so they don't have an account. The fact that you added a new step for them, I mean, yeah, they're not going to do it. <laughs> it's like, I mean, people, like, I'm, you know, I'm the same way. Like, I would, you know, anytime somebody asks you to do something and there's an extra step involved, it's like, hey, uh, want to help me move? No. I'll give you, a f you know, something. You always have to negotiate. They're like, oh, yeah, you got to make an account, and then you got to, you know, um, it's like, oh, never mind. I mean, I guess you don't have to make an account. Well, you do have to have an account for to listen to podcasts, but, yeah, anyway, so, I guess Jesse Smollett has a family that, they want it sounds more like they wanted to be famous also not that they were famous i mean i don't know maybe but uh let's see here go to his uh wikipedia the government sponsored wikipedia wikipedia am i right wikipedia am i right I mean, it's so funny that this is, this is the second, like, paragraph right on top. What did you do with your life? Let me look on Wikipedia. Oh, stage a fake hate crime. Guess I'm going to avoid this guy. Good luck being on Tinder, Jussie. Am I right? How many bad, like, stand-up jokes were written? I go to his Wikipedia page, and right there it says stage of fake hate crime. Uh, red flag much? Red flag much? He has three brothers and two sisters. Jack, Jockey, Jojo, Journey, and Jazz. Not the Jazz, that's a, a T, 
gender, transgender. He has said that his father would, quote, kill you if you called him white. Well, that's a little extreme. <laughs> I just react to stuff. I'm an I'm a old guy. That, that's like an old guy character that reacts to stuff. Like, well, that's a little crazy. Did you guys ever see that? That's a little crazy guy on YouTube. <laughs> it's this old guy, and he, he's like old, and like he just reads like stories, and he's like, "That's a little crazy." That's no, thank you, sir. You know what? I I guess he says he's like not just gay. He's sexual, sexually fluid. He has lots of sexual fluids, guys. Am I right or what? <laughs> Um, you know, I guess, like, I'd rather be just 100% gay. Like, uh, I wouldn't, like, I just don't see the appeal of being bisexual, really. Like, that is confusing. I mean, still, even though it's, you know, 2023 and it's a hate crime to wonder about this stuff. I mean, I'd rather be just gay and that's it. Like, I don't want to, like, how do you pick who to marry or something like how do you know um i think i've read something where they say like bisexual girls always marry a guy anyway i don't know if it's true but that is confusing i mean say you're like oh this is the love of my life but they're bisexual and and you're a girl and they're a girl and then they're like oh wait i'm straight now because i want to be married it's like really confusing i guess I mean, I know, like, maybe, like, people are like, well, you know, you get, like, hey, it's like more of a buffet of choices that you get, you know? I want to have all the choices I can get. I want to have all the choices I can get. Fuck him in the ass, fuck her in the ass. Have her peg me in the ass and then poop comes out and then I eat the poop because that's also my fetish. I'm just like a, I'm just like a poop scooper, poop scooper, poop scooper, poop scooper, poop scooper. I actually have a fetish where I go in the litter box and I just use my, with my mouth and grab out the poop. And I'll just like take it out and I'll just kind of keep it until the mood strikes and then I'll just kind of, you know, play around with it. You know what I mean? But then it's like if you're bisexual, this is me doing a, a TED talk about. <laughs> if you're bisexual, I mean, what's the deal? Jerry Seinfeld doing a TED talk. Um, but really, like, what's. Um, well, yeah, like, so I, I've always followed Jim Norton as a comedian. He's been one of the comedians I follow, literally, physically, I follow him. But, uh, you know, he's been somebody I listened to in a while, or for a while, always respected and stuff. I guess he just got married, supposedly, to uh, what seems to be a trans woman. And he's always been into that, so it's not anything surprising. But it is kind of like, to me, I'm like... How do you pick which, like, are you, because is he more into that? And that's why he's like, I'll get married to a trans. Like, but what if you're also into regular, <laughs> not to say regular, 
regular women, you know, because, I mean, what's the deal? It's like you got a, you got a penis down there. Uh, I mean, yeah, you could, well, no, it, to me, it's like, it's also like, you know, if, what if you're a bisexual guy and then you, you're into pegging with the regular, where, you know, if you, when you're dating a girl, you're into pegging, but then it's like, well, why not just be with a guy if you're into pegging? I mean, to me, if you, if you like women, you like the regular, you know what they call the uh fetish wear pussy 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 why not just be with a guy unless you're, oh, the aesthetic of the woman, except for the, yeah, I guess it's like, to me, it is like confusing. Like, I guess if you married a bisexual person, half of me would always be wondering, what if they realize, no, actually, I wanted to marry the other sex or gender or whatever. What if they're really into the other thing? Because they were before and now they're marrying me, but what if they were really, you know. It's just, uh, it's a hard, scientists have been working on this problem for a while, you know. Yeah, and I know somebody in the chat earlier was saying in the scribe interview, women need to be held accountable. Uh, yeah, I've, I've done a bunch of episodes on the double standard with women's sex crimes against men. That keeps happening more and more. The teachers going after the kids, the kids going... <laughs> Teachers going after the kids, you know how it is. In my day, we didn't have any of that, okay? Okay? We didn't have none of that when I was growing up. I, You know, I asked every teacher I had, I said, hey, you want to fuck? Well, you know, all those stories I read, all the, teach, all the women teachers that get those kids, you know, boys, whatever, they groom them, basically. They, they, it's not like the kid... That's the thing, everybody... Everybody acts like, oh, these kids, like, oh, they're lucky, you know? They're not... How do you know? If they were fucking 14 years old, like... I mean, yeah, there was... I mean, yeah, when you're, like, going through puberty as a, as a boy... Um, at least when I was growing up, like... I don't know what kids are like anymore. I have no idea. If they're looking at porn, who knows? <laughs> But, uh, you know, you would have teachers you thought were attractive. Maybe you'd even, maybe you'd even get a stiffy in class. You'd get a little stiffy. You know, and you wouldn't know what to do with it. Should I, uh, I gotta calm down. I, I'm, I'm hard as fuck. I'm sitting in class hard. It's hard. Got a boner. 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 What do you do with it, you know? You got a boner. And you just had to kind of wait it out, um, sit there with a boner. But yeah, none of these kids, from the stories I've read, and it's been a bunch of them, none of these little boys, well, maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe one that I can remember. 
none of these little boys, most of them weren't going like putting the moves on her. Like that's not how it goes with these. Let, let me just look up one. <laughs> Doesn't have to be a teacher. It could be any woman really, but all right, here's a kind of recent one. Oh, wait, this is the one. This one doesn't count. Uh, this is the one where maybe the kid was putting the moves on her. <laughs> uh, here's a recent one. One week ago, guys. One week ago. One week ago. One week Preston ago. County Preston County Teacher. County Teacher. County Teacher. County Teacher. Preston County, where's that at? Uh, I don't know. Preston County teacher has been charged uh, after a student reported four incidents of abuse involving duct tape that took place in the middle of class. How? His teacher put duct tape over his mouth from ear to ear in the middle of class. What the fuck? What? What? These are getting crazier now. Did the other kids see this? What the fuck is going on here? In the middle of class. There's no other details, of course. They never they never want to explain anything in any article that you read. You're like, what else happened? Nothing. Well, no details in that. I don't even know if that was sex. It was just duct tape. At least here's one that just has a bunch of them in an article. At least six female teachers arrested for sexual misconduct. Over two days back in April, guys. You like where the country's going, folks? Huh? You like where it's going, folks? Uh, this bus was just one of at least six recent cases of female teachers engaging in sexual misconduct. Here's one, looks a little haggard. Not really who I'd go to to be a fantasy, but I'm sure there's some comments saying it is. <laughs> uh, former substitute. <clears throat> Emily Hancock. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> that joke breaks to sell, folks. Jay Leno needs to. Jay, that's a Jay Leno thing right there. And uh, Leo Sox, uh name's uh, Emily Hancock. It's like, yeah, I think, I think I knew what happened already. I don't know what voice that is. New York comedian. New York bad comedian. Uh, turns out her name was Emily Hancock. Okay? Dennis. <laughs> it's like what Dennis Miller used to do. Okay, folks? Okay, folks? What is that? That was like a trend in the 90s where Bill Maher... He still does it, but Dennis Miller and Bill Morrow, they'd always go like, okay, folks. Okay, okay, folks. Is this what we're doing? Is this what we're doing now, folks? Emily Hancock? Tell my, uh, tell my son, hey, take that class. Why don't you make, it, make your dad proud? That's what they do back then. Oh, fuck. <laughs> All right, so this is not a fantasy uh, situation here. Kristen Gant. Allegedly groomed. Allegedly groomed. Allegedly groomed. Her 
student over social media. Another one. Another one. Now this Another one's one. weird. Now this Another one's one. weird. A learning disabilities teacher was arrested for sex with a student. Wow, this one. I mean, this one's like, I don't know, 17-year-old boy and she's 26. It's still like bad, but um yeah, the one that groomed, that's what I'm I usually see is they groom them. They don't like the, it's not the kid, it's not the boy going up to the student like, hey, uh, <laughs> want to stay after class, miss? Uh, I need some help. Uh, eh, you know, your husband's not that great. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what they would say. I mean, they're a student. Like, how do you hit on a teacher? I know, like, a lot of, that's probably, maybe that's what they're thinking they do. Like, do all these comments? Like, watch, I bet there's comments here about Guarantee there's comments like that here. Where, where there's no comments. <laughs> Ugh, I'm a bitch. Would they turn comments off? Wait a second. This one turned herself in. I don't. She looks normal. I don't get it. Thirty-two years old. Touch on my son with this student. Doesn't say how old he is though. Here we go with the uh, comments. I was obvious. <laughs> I was obviously born way too early. Yes, I'm aware that's something a 20th century man. Then, then why type it? <clears throat> Let me look at the Twitter replies. X replies. Now it's called the X guys. When he is called, everybody makes this joke now. Well, now it's called X, but what is that, Xing? Like, what do you say for tweets, Xing? What is that? What's that, you know? What is that? When is she getting released, Anthony Knoll says. Lucky guy, Tom Wilson says. That is one lucky student. Hey, yo, let me get her mailing address in jail. That's what this guy Michael says. I'm sure he, she's going to reach out. Look, if she's into, like, kids, she's not going to be... I mean, look, why do they think... Why do... Why do oh, <laughs> I'm not trying to sound like a... I don't know, male feminist or something, but, like, why does every guy think there's a, like, oh, well, like, do you have her number? What, like, they're, the woman's going to be interested in them? It's a weird thing with... Well, I guess women might do it, too, if they see a guy. Oh, he's single? That's too bad. I guess everybody does it, but... uh. You know, she's in jail for doing underage sex. Like, why would she then be like, oh, this Tom Wilson guy that commented on Twitter? Um, well, I mean, she might be having trouble in the dating life. I mean, how would <laughs> how would you date after this, getting found out? Really? Would guys still ignore that? I mean, I wouldn't. Even with a hookup, I don't think I would. No, I don't think so. I mean, I'm... She probably she might lie and just or just not tell people, but I don't know, you know. I don't know how it would go, but I guess like I'm better than everyone else. So just to let you guys know, if you're listening, if there's any men 
If there's any toxic, toxic, men, toxic, men, toxic, men, toxic, men out there, just know I'm better than you, and I, I would say no. Okay? Okay, people? <laughs> it's Dennis Miller, okay, people? Let me try to find an old clip of Dennis Miller to prove my point. Bill Maher does it too. Bill Maher does the same thing. Okay, people? It's interesting, though, that Dennis Miller went conservative. I don't know if everyone knows that. They probably just forgot about Dennis Miller and shit, yo. Don't forget about... <laughs> don't sleep on Dennis Miller, yo. I'll try to pause this and not get a clip or a copyright thing. Okay, people. I think social media has allowed us to all come together as one and realize there was really no reason whatsoever for us to all come together as one. Okay, people. <laughs> I have an idea for a reality show about hoarders with impeccable taste. Quite frankly, they shouldn't throw anything out. <laughs> Took my nephew out. That's okay, I mean. Uh, what would you put in these trailers, though? Like, because it probably would have to be little short jokes, and those might not your be your best jokes. So, like, what do you put in these? I remember Jim Norton had an old... Uh, Jim Norton had an old um, clip of like a, it was a promo on Opie and Anthony that was like just a, a mash of his jokes together and it didn't make sense. It was like all intense. It was like, Jim Norton coming here. Uh, he's crazy. And then it was just a clip of him talking like, yeah, yeah I don't know, you fucking pussy. He has no holes barred to a small, tiny local circus. It was uh, very disappointing. Turns out it was just a house that had been tenanted for. Oh wait, you guys probably can't even hear this on the <laughs> on YouTube stream thing, but on my audio podcast you can uh, later. Sorry, guys, I forgot that I would have to share this. Let me try just to try it. Really no reason whatsoever for us to all come together as one. Oh wait, I don't know if it's sharing audio. Hold on. It is? I have an idea for a reality show about hoarders with impeccable taste. Quite frankly, they shouldn't throw anything out. Took my nephew out to a small, tiny local circus. It was uh, very disappointing. Turns out it was just a house that had been tenanted for termite proofing. Can we make it as hard to get into our country as it is to get off your plane when it arrives early at the terminal? You can't trust journalists. You can't trust the New York Times. You're better off trusting the odometer readings and the auto trader, for God's sakes. <laughs> you want to know how little a journalism degree matters? I have one. Okay, this isn't that funny. I don't know. I mean, I'm not, you know, maybe those aren't great clips. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, that's Dennis Miller, folks. Uh... Can't trust a journalist. Okay, people. Maybe he never said that. I don't know. It could be something I just thought he used to say all the time. That's kind of like the whole uh, 
Mandela effect, like, oh, like, it used to be, like, Berenstain Bears or something, and now it's not. It's, like, a lot of those things are just not, they were never a thing. Like, the, like, once I looked up Jerry Seinfeld, like, he never really said, like, what's the deal, I don't think. (laughs) Everybody just, like, uses that to make fun of him. I don't think he ever said it, you know? He would. He should have a what's the deal about that, guys. Norton. What's the deal? Is it me? I'll just look this up real quick. This up real quick. This up real quick. This up real quick. I just don't think he never. Don't think he never. He never said it. Here's an article. What's the deal with? What's the deal with? The phrase, what's the deal with, was never used sincerely in Seinfeld, the show, including all the pre-intro stand-up sets. The closest, um, <clears throat> is when George says, what's the deal with Aquaman in one of the episodes. I don't get it. Why? They've said it, like, ironically, it looks like. Maybe it was a... You know what? Maybe it was uh maybe it was like an 80s stereotype, 80s comedians, like hack comedians said it. But then for some reason Jerry Seinfeld got stuck with people thinking he said it. But it was other maybe people that ripped him off even. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, that's it for this week, guys. This week, guys. This week, guys. Thanks for tuning. Thanks well, for tuning. Thanks well, for tuning. Thanks well, for tuning. Thanks well, for tuning. If you if anyone if you if anyone if you, hears if this anyone part, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in. If not, if not, go fucking kill yourself. Fucking kill yourself. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. 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 Just make yourself not alive. Not alive. Not alive. That's all I'm saying. Just for everybody's sake. For everybody's sake. It's the right thing to do. It's the right thing for the climate. For the climate. For the climate. For the climate, for Israel, for everything, the best thing to do is just not live anymore because you're not taking up resources. Guy in his room said it here first, said it here first, said it here first, said it here first, said it here first.